0: So, um, this morning, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a, a departure, and um, uh, I want to talk to you about Silent Night. You guys know this song? You know the song Silent Night? No, you don't know the song. Okay, you know, you know. So, you know, Silent Night for us is like like this uh, like this sacred christmas song and tradition and if you come tonight to our christmas eve service i'm i'm sure we'll have we'll sing that song you know silent night is, is kind of like a, you know your grandmother's wedding ring or the family bible or you know your like your, your wedding photo album it's like this sacred thing that that we all hold on to but that's not exactly the silent night i want to talk about uh, if you go ahead and put that next slide up there stephen so this guy right here uh, is named Johann Scheffler. And 200 years, get this, 200 years before the song Silent Night was written, Johann Scheffler, this uh, German priest, man, was a, he was a prolific poet and songwriter, over 200 songs, 1,600 different lines of verse. 200 years before the song Silent Night was written, Johann Scheffler penned these incredible words. It's right there beside him. Look what he says. He says, "Lo, in the silent night a child is born, and all is brought again that air was lost or lorn. Could but thy soul, O man, become a silent night? Christ would be born in thee and set all things. Right. I don't know Johan very well. The good dude had it going on, right? Like these are some deep thoughts, and I just want to spend some time with these thoughts this morning. So, in some sense, uh, Christ's birth—you know—why we're here, why we're celebrating—in some sense, like Christ's birth can seem like a long way off. Like, like it happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Nothing. These are the jokes, folks. But think about it. I mean, it, how, how relatable is the world that, into which Christ was born to our world? He was born into a world that, that didn't have cell phones or cars or, or electricity. Like, like seriously, how much experience do you have with, with shepherds or sheep or, or magi or genocidal kings? Even the fact that we celebrate Christ's birth only once a year makes it, makes it easy for us to kind of almost compartmentalize his birth as, as belonging to another time, another place, even to another people. But Johann, 400 years ago, crashed these incredible words right into that kind of thinking by raising the question, and I love the question that he raises out of this, and it is, what if the newborn king wasn't just born in some other place for some other people, but could somehow be born again today, here, and now, in us? So in our season of Advent, we've kind of been talking about the three comings of Christ. We've, we talked about Matthew talks about prophecy and this prediction. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the coming of the newborn king. And then last week, we talked about the second coming. And here, even 400 years ago, Johann Scheffler was talking about the coming of Christ in our hearts. You see, his assertion is that Christ's birth is not only something that has happened in history, but something that can and should happen in us. And this is an important biblical idea, even in uh, the book of Colossians, in chapter one, verse 27. Look and see what it says. It says, for God wanted them to know that Uh, That the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This is the whole theme of the book of Colossians. He says, I have this secret and I want you to know what it is. And what does he say? What are those next four words? This secret is Christ lives in you. And this gives you assurance of sharing his glory. The NIV says, Christ in you, the hope of glory Did you see what it says It says surprise you're pregnant Right Maybe Christ's birth is closer than we ever imagined What if it was not somewhere else for someone else. So, if scripture and, and Johann are right, Christ lives in us and can be born in us, then we should have two big questions from this idea. One is, first off, how can such a thing happen? And what are the implications for, for my life, but, but also for the world? If Christ can be born in us, what, how can such a thing happen and what are the implications? So, How can the first question? How can we become a silent night? How can we become a manger, a place into which Christ can be born? How do we become a manger for the birth? Well, I think a good place to start is to follow the example and life of Jesus. Look what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus does this frequently. In fact, and sometimes it's even hard for his disciples, his closest, his crew, his squad, it's hard for them to even find him. In the middle of a, his frantically busy uh, ministry, constantly teaching and traveling and healing. And with near constant interruptions, this, this, this habit or, or this, this uh, a process of going to isolated places to pray becomes a, a habit, a practice, a rhythm for Jesus' life. In Luke chapter 5 verse 16 it says, Jesus would often withdraw to the wilderness to pray why he just needs some me time no no i think i think he's showing us something it makes me think of one of my favorite stories from the old testament is is a story of elijah and it and it comes in first kings In 1 Kings, uh, Elijah is going to meet with the Lord, and he climbs on top of this mountain. And while he's on top of the mountain there to meet the Lord, this huge windstorm comes. And I mean, it's, it's a hurricane windstorm, and it says that rocks are torn loose, but it says the Lord is not in the wind. And then there's an earthquake. Imagine being on top of a mountain, and an earthquake happens, but it says the Lord is not in the earthquake. And then a fire erupts. But the Lord is not in the fire. And then finally, you know what it says in 1 Kings? It says, there is the sound of a gentle whisper. And Elijah covers his face. And the voice of the Lord speaks to Elijah. You see, God's voice is not in the noise, but in the gentle whisper. And if Jesus is going to isolated places on a regular basis, it's so he can hear the gentle whisper of his father. The church fathers... um, Men and women, uh, men and women throughout history, have become men and women of the gentle whisper by practicing uh, spiritual disciplines. You've heard me talk about this before, probably. One of the one of the disciplines they've practiced throughout the generations is called Lectio Divina, and, and it just means sacred reading. But it, it's a four part method of of reading scripture, which which places emphasis on listening. I briefly want to introduce this to you, and we can elaborate on it on it more later, but but I think this is important. Lectio Divina has really four parts. The first part is Lectio, and that is you pick a passage of scripture and you just begin to read it. You read it again and again. You read it multiple times. You read it slowly. And then the second step is Meditatio. You meditate on it, which is simply to say, okay, what? Well, what is this scripture saying and what does it mean what words are rising off the page and then the third the third step is radio. It's, it's something we Christians are very familiar with. We pray that meaning into our life. Literally, here's what God's word says. Here's what I've meditated on it. Now I'm going to pray that specific thing into my life. And then the fourth step, and I, and I think the most important step of Lectio Divina, and I think what Jesus was practicing is called contemplatio. And this may be the step we practice the least. Read scripture Meditate on it, pray it into our life, and then listen. Contemplatio means to think on these things, but, but listen for a response from God. When was the last time you really listened? Listen. When was the last time you created intentional space for God to speak to you, to speak into your life? Like, think about this. This, this is a heavy, heavy idea. Do you even believe that, that he can or, or that he would want to speak into your life? And assuming that he does and he can and you were listening, what do you think God would say to you? So I once did this exercise. Uh, I taught Lectio Divina to a group of uh, 200 uh, high school students on, on a retreat in New Mexico. It was perfect. We were way up in the mountains. There was no cell service. There was no Wi-Fi. And. And I took groups of about 25 at a time and, and we hiked up away from the camp. We were, we were staying up, hiked up into the mountains, into an isolated place. And I introduced them to this idea of Lectio Divina and, and I said, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to go. I want you to get away from everyone else. I want you to read a passage of scripture, think about it, pray it into your life and then I want you to listen. And I, they said, listen for what? I said, well, listen for God. And they kind of snickered. And I said, whatever you feel like God is speaking to you, I want you to write it down. And if you're comfortable, when we come back together, I'll I'll invite you to share it. Like these were church kids. They grew up to church their whole life. And this is like, we've never done this before. I said, well, let's try it. Let's see how it works. So I sent them away, gave them their time, sent them to an isolated place, and asked them to come back and Invited some of them to share. These are teenagers, mind you. Some said nothing, and sometimes that does happen. And none of the teenagers said, yes, I heard the audible voice of Charlton Heston speak to me. <laughs> but some of the students returned with wide eyes, reflecting that, that somehow what they received they received more with their open hearts than their open ears their responses were incredibly personal and moving some of the responses included i love you and you are not alone some of the responses simply said don't be afraid most of the responses were intimate words of hope healing and restoration, words of affirmation and encouragement. When I practice Lectio Divina, personally, one of the things that I hear from God most frequently is probably what you would need to hear as well, and that is, peace be still. It's interesting. With these teenagers, no one reflected harsh or cruel or hateful words most resemble what I imagine the prodigal father said to his long lost son as he embraced him. What each student realized is what the author of Philippians 2 expresses, that, that God was somehow at work in them and for a few moments, they became silent knights. And Christ wasn't born somewhere else and to some distant people, but Christ was born in yeah, So, Christmas Eve 2017. I want to encourage you to practice, uh, maybe try out some Lectio Divina, follow the example of Jesus. Uh, maybe tonight if you can, like, like turn all the screens off, sit by the fire, open up scripture, read it, meditate on it. You can do it as a family. That would be okay. Pray that meaning into your own life and then listen together. Um, But let me give you a couple of quick checks because I just told you that, hey, God speaks to you and can speaks to you and wants to speak to you. And you should write it down and tell other people what he says. So um, I want to give you a couple of quick checks, right? Just in case, uh, 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 I want you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, because it, it can be a kind of dangerous thing to walk around telling people, "Well, God told me so." Have you? Has anyone ever tried to use that on you before? Like, <laughs> all right. So I want to give you. I want to give you a couple of quick checks. Um, in your contemplatio time, uh, one check is to just ask yourself: Does what you heard received line up with Scripture? Because God's never going to contradict his word. Are you with me? So if you said, well, man, God said it's okay for me to shack up with my girlfriend. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Because it's a dangerous thing sometimes because we get alone and sometimes we can convince ourselves of just about everything. So your first check, your first real check is, hey, does this line up with scripture? Is this really what God says in his word? And and your second check really should be, uh, can your community of faithful faithful friends affirm it? Uh, Like I said, left to my own devices, I can convince myself of almost anything. Are you with me? Like, has that ever happened? So each of us, we need a church, we need a fellowship, we need a community, we need discipling relationships. Uh, we, we really need two friends. Uh, we need gracey and truthy, right? Every Christian needs these two friends. In John, it says that Jesus was filled with both grace and truth, and we need those friends in our life, right? Amen? People that will speak honestly to us and, and with mercy and with grace, but also people who will speak into our lives truthfully. So make sure it lines up with Scripture Check it with Gracie and Truthy, And finally, if you're going to practice Lectio Divina, if you are going to become a person of the gentle whisper, become a silent knight, if you're going to create a conscious space in your own life into which Christ can be born, it's going to take practice. If you're going to know God, you're going to have to be Still and no Jesus did this often So here's the hard part for us Even if I created a perfect moment of stillness and silence right now many of us might fail to hear the gentle whisper And it's not because we're we're not speaking or or making noise but because you and I have become so addicted to frantic busyness that even though your body and your mouth are still, your mind keeps going. Some of your minds are going right now. <laughs> Where am I going to lunch? And what gifts am I going to have to return? And what am I going to do with all this leftover fruitcake? How in the world am I going to pay off this credit card bill? Have you seen our world become addicted to busyness Uh I saw a guy the other day I was at a uh uh just just out and about at a at a store and uh had to go to the restroom and i and I walked up to the urinal and there was a guy at the urinal next to me, and he was on his cell phone It was Ken oting i mean. Just kidding. So I need to, to raise a red flag. If you go to the beach, red flag says don't go in the water. And there's a red flag that we need to wave. And, and actually think that, that Christmas waves this red flag. It says danger, danger, danger. And where it gets really dangerous is when the reason you can't cease and be still is because what you are doing or achieving is too important to stop. Man, I, I want you to hear this. Danger, danger, danger. If the reason you can't be still is because you have become too Important. Danger, danger, danger. I gave a part of this teaching before at um, at, at my actually my parents' church in Birmingham. And I, and I gave this warning to the, the, the business dads that never see their kids and are working 60 hours a week. And, and I said, how are you going to hear the gentle whisper in that kind of schedule, in that kind of busyness, where, in a place where you've become too important to stop and be still? Jesus wasn't too important to stop and be still, but but somehow what you're doing has become too important to stop and be still. So I gave this teaching, and and at the end of the service, this guy came up to me, and man, he was dressed sharp. He had his business suit on, and he said, hey, can I I just speak to you for a minute? I said, yeah, man, sure, absolutely. And he said, you were talking about me. I said, really? He said, that whole part about busyness and frantic busyness and schedule, he said, I'm incredibly successful. I own my own business, all this kind of stuff. And, and he said, as soon as you started talking about this addiction to frantic busyness, he said, I'm here with my whole family. He said, every one of my family leaned forward and looked at me. And he said, hey, I just want to repent of that. I want to be a person of the gentle whisper. It's going to take some practice. But if you can apply silence and stillness to your life, you and I can become mangers, silent nights into which Christ can be born. So we've talked about how. Let's briefly talk about what are the implications. Look what Scheffler says. He goes on to say this. These are hard words. He says, though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he's not born in thee, if he's not born in us, thy soul is all forlorn. Did you hear that? Man, maybe he's born a thousand times in Bethlehem. But he, if he's somehow not born in us, then thy soul is all forlorn. Jarring words. You hear what he says? He says, he says essentially like it doesn't matter how many Christmases you have celebrated. You, you, Your your tree may be trimmed. Your stockings may be hung with care. You may be all pro at Christmas hanging lights like Clark Griswold. You may be a veteran of many, many, many Christmases. But if all that Christ's birth means doesn't somehow resonate in us, if it doesn't root itself in us in some tangible way, if it doesn't shake up the routines and rhythms of our life, if it doesn't produce in, in, in us, in our world, the best and noblest ideas of God, we remain a slave to sin and doubt and anxiety and fear and worry and money and the opinions of this world. We remain, a sin, we remain a slave to frantic busyness, to our own self-importance. If it doesn't pr- produce some sort of change in you, if Christ is not born in you, it is all for not. And maybe you're sitting there and it's just hit you. I missed it. Has that ever happened to you? Like you go through all the motions and all the rigmarole and all, the, all of the parts and pieces of Christmas and then you come to this moment of thinking, man, in this whole big thing, I've done everything right and still missed it. If that's you on Christmas Eve... 2017 I want to tell you this it's not too late set a reminder on your phone just just type four words into your phone put it on a recurring basis put it on your calendar and the four words are become a silent night go ahead make space Plan a family noise detox. Like, it's going to take effort. It's going to take intention, right? So your your families, you guys are going to be off for a break. You're going to be spending time together. Pick, pick one day over the holiday with, with no screens or no electronics or unplug the Wi-Fi, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, even tonight, do it as a family. Withdraw to quiet places. Practice Lectio Divina. Pursue... The gentle whisperer. Choose as a family to live by a different rhythm. Because if Christ could, can, and is born in us, that would change everything, wouldn't it? Don't you see? when a church falls in love with the community around it, when Christian men and women for the first time truly begin to have a heart for those who don't know Christ, when, when couples choose to work it out and love each other again, and when, when fathers choose their kids over their work, and when teenagers, despite all the pressure and all the noise of our world, choose to live a virtuous life. I think the angels would have something to sing about again, right? Every time you choose the voice of the gentle whisperer over the noise of the world, it is good news of great joy for all people. Because God, again, becomes a child So in just a minute, I'm going to send you to, uh, we have tables set up with the elements of communion around the room. And I'm going to send you and invite you to, to pick up the elements and then return to your seat. We've been doing this kind of through the Advent season. Uh, while you're in your seats, I've just got an awesome video to kind of help the tone, help the mood, help you focus on the voice of the gentle whisperer. And during that video, I invite you, when it, when it feels right to you, to, to take those elements of communion, to remember his death, his burial, his resurrection, but to maybe make a commitment to be a person of the gentle whisperer, to mark out some time. In just a second, I'll say a prayer, but I just want to share these final words with you. May you be still and know the Lord of lights. May your heart be a manger for the birth. May you become a silent night. May Christ be born again in you and make all things. Father God, we come before you and thank you for your your powerful words and their meaning. Father God, we confess to you. I, I don't know. There's one of us that 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 can't make this confession, but Father God, it's it's so easy for us to get addicted to the franticness of our world, the the busyness of our world. But Father God, in this day in this place, we we repent of of all of our effort chasing temporary things. And Father God even in this space, draw us again to you, draw us again to places of stillness and quiet, places into which you again can speak into our lives. God, we desperately need your voice. So, Father God, we, we confess our busyness. And we place ourselves again in stillness before you. how you can, where you can, help us to become mangers for the birth and may all your will and all your desire and all your goodness, may the very gift of your son Jesus Christ be born in us. We love you Father, it's in your son Jesus name that everyone together says,